Hi, this is Lisa DeLay, and you are listening to the Spark My Muse podcast. This is Soul School, episode 103, The Looking Glass Half Full. Today I'm going to be talking a little bit about perception and self and consciousness and mirrors. And so what we call in the United States a mirror is sometimes also called a looking glass. It's something that mirrors back our reflection to ourselves. And a mirror is made often by using aluminum powder on glass, using a vacuum seal to adhere the aluminum powder onto the glass so that no light gets through the glass any longer. And what happens is the light bounces off and we can see a reflection of ourselves with some very good accuracy. This used to happen with silver on the glass, a silver nitrate compound, and this was adhered to the glass as well. Other things that can provide a mirror type image are water, shined metal to a very bright polish, and uh, people have been looking at their reflections of themselves since the beginning of time. And I've also noticed that there is perhaps a reason why people in the United States call looking glasses mirrors. The Spanish word for look is mirar, and that sounds a lot like mirror, mirar, mirar. I don't know if this is the reason why Americans call looking glasses mirrors, but there are a lot of Spanish words in English. And if you are to look, look at, mirar, it seems like this might be the original way, (laughs) the original reason we call looking glasses mirrors. In the American English language, M-I-R-R-O-R, I would love to hear about it if you know the history of the word. A mirror causes an interesting behavior in us, a strange behavior perhaps, if we look at it a little more deeply. Sometimes we feel ashamed at looking at ourselves in the mirror. If we get up in the morning, if we've had a hard night's sleep and we look and we think, oh no, I don't want to look at that image at all, it might make us feel terrible. Sometimes we can't take our eyes off ourselves when they're looking in the mirror. We want to primp things just so, we want to make sure maybe if we have makeup we're trying to use to make ourselves look better. We want to make sure it's just right, doesn't leave any smudgy marks or anything like that. We might want to fix our hair just right. Uh, And something happens to us and within us and even among us if we're looking at a looking glass or if we're looking at a looking glass together. And I'll say a little bit more about what I mean. I'll use the story of the Amish The Amish are a group of people who have a group of people who have stayed away from modern ways to to please God and their Protestant group. Some of them still use horse and buggies, they don't use electricity, they don't use zippers, they use hooks to hold their clothes together. And there was a time when many Amish would not allow you to photograph them. Some of it was probably their solid sense of modesty, that it was immodest to have your picture taken. Maybe someone would fawn over it or something. And some of it pertained to the idea of making, quote, graven images, unquote. And I'll explain a little bit of what that means if if you're not aware. In the Bible, the children of Israel have a God named Yahweh. Yahweh tells them, do not make any images that you create of humans or animals to worship. There is no spirit 
in these created objects. They're false gods when you worship them. You're not worshiping anything real, anything alive, anything spirited. And humans themselves, living, breathing humans, bear the breath of God. Spirit means breath. And in the scriptures of the Hebrews, the children of Israel, God, God's self breathes into people that he forms out of the dust of the earth. He breathes right into them, the spirit of life. And God, who has no body, uses humans as image bearers of his divinity. And actual people, not statues or pictures of people, are what is of real value. So crafting something and then assigning it value is to be misappropriating your worship, misappropriating your affections. Apparently when photography first came out, some people worried a bit about this too. An exact capturing of your image seems a little bit like stealing someone's essence or part of the soul. And I've also heard stories of indigenous tribes in various countries being very uncomfortable with seeing themselves captured on paper, photographic paper, and being discomforted by the thought that you could hold a picture of them in your pocket, for instance, and that not always seen as something favorable. The way people treasure photos so much and want to possess them and want to take them and want to have them for themselves, it seems at least partially true in a sense that pictures steal something or keep something of one's essence. And photos are made by humankind, not a creator god. So in some way, we're a little bit playing God when we capture someone's essence or attempt to. In the same way, the image in the mirror isn't you. It's a picture, but actually it's a reversed image of you. It's one that you suppose others see of you. If you see a photo of yourself, you might think, wait a minute, do I part my hair on that side? Or is that scar on that side? It's because you've always been seeing a reversed image of yourself in the mirror. And I remember seeing that for the first time as a kid and thinking, I don't look like that, do I? Because I had always seen a reversed image of myself. And this looking glass gives us a sense that we're seeing our true selves and actually we're only ever seeing a reversed image of ourselves. But on top of that, we're also adding what we imagine other people might be seeing when they look at us. Or we're going up really close to our face and seeing all the pores and thinking, oh, I have all these big pores, people are seeing this, when in reality, hardly anyone is getting that close to our face. So we give worth to these images that are, these ongoing perceptions you can have of ourselves are always somehow distorted. We are often thinking, not just of what we look like, but something much more perilous. We're thinking and imagining and hallucinating even sometimes about what others are seeing when they look at us. We are often using our insecurities as the only big lens of how others might see us. And that is soul stealing, really. If we use our puffed up ego as a lens, that will be in great error too. With our consciousness and our perception, you are a witness to your own living. You are watching yourself existing. You are also wondering about you watching yourself. And is this something outside of that original consciousness? I think consciousness 
works in these concentric circles of awareness. You're experiencing your world in terms of whether the weather is hot or cold, whether you like sweets or spicy chicken wings. And you're also having the awareness that you're involved in relationship to other people. I experience this and you experience that and we might be similar, but ultimately I can't know what you actually experience and I know that and you know that I know that. And we are all worlds within worlds. But our worlds can and amazingly touch and interact. And when our worlds connect deeply, we also notice that we're conscious of it and aware. And in that moment, or those moments, we feel belonging and love richly and deeply. We even feel sometimes oneness. And you may have felt this if you're singing a song in a really large group of people, for instance, or if you come upon something that, that you feel very touched about and you know that there's a common humanity between you and others. It's this deep consciousness about a connection that you're a part of. It seems like there's a very deep connection below the sensing awareness like taste and touch and smell that people can be aware of at the same time and sort of nod to. In a way, we reach out under everything and we sense a bond that we didn't make, but that was already there. As if we're standing in the same sort of stream and both realizing it. And both realizing we didn't make that stream, but somehow we're a part of it. Our perceptions of ourselves are usually missing pieces, though, when we look in a looking glass or when we try to understand ourselves with ourselves. And I think it's important to realize this, the missing pieces of our perception of ourselves and our awareness, and keep this realization of the missing pieces in the front of our awareness so we don't get discouraged. And let this new information help us place less value on our perceived image of ourselves, the looking glass perception, so that our looking glass can be half full. So I have a little bit of homework, as I do in some Soul School episodes. You'll probably find yourself in front of a mirror within the next day, the next few hours. And I ask that you will confront that reflection in the mirror a little differently. That you will see that reflection, but not as you, but as an image. A graven image, really. Witness yourself and witness yourself as witness to the world. Also witness your reflection as distinctly not you but something created by reflected light as quite separate from you. And maybe it's more of a graven image than you realized, more of a perception than a reality and not the real you. And consider what the looking glass, once seen as a symbol of a way to see differently. The looking glass itself, the mirror itself, is a symbol to you as you look in it, this is a way to see differently. And it can mean 
something new to you in the scope of what you do in the world and in the sum of your interactions. The mirror can represent perception itself. And there's three more things to do, I ask, before you go to look at yourself in the mirror. I ask that you will stop by sparkmymuse.com today and look at some of the new things going on. I have a new course that's available this summer. It's called Beginning in the Contemplative Way. And I will be challenging some assumptions and perceptions, how to view the world in a different way. I'll invite you to do that with me as we share that together. And the third thing is to share this episode with a friend or two today. One of the best ways I can expand the audience and the listeners is just by you sharing it and saying, I heard this episode and I think you should give it a listen. That would be really wonderful. I think it's hard for us to understand ourselves and how we see ourselves accurately or inaccurately. It's usually fairly inaccurately. It's difficult for us to understand how others see us or to, to know how much weight to put in that especially when we're probably off on how we perceive that. And to not put too much weight into what we are assuming others are seeing in us. If we realize that we are witnessing the world and absorbing it, and then witnessing our witness, that should give us pause about our level of consciousness. And that should give us pause about how we must love each other because there is a spark of the divine, this consciousness in each person. Each person is witness to their life, and each person is witness to their witness. We realize that this level of complexity exists in each person. Perhaps it can inspire us to be a little more kind and to realize that the pain and suffering people go through is real and complex and something we can't really understand because we're not them. But perhaps we can understand that our own pain and suffering is real, and it exists in other people too, in the same sorts of ways. I hope that you found some use, some helpfulness in this episode. If I can bring up a topic that would help you particularly during this time, I hope that you will send me an email and let me know in some way by going to the website and using the contact page or just emailing me at contact at sparkmymuse.com. I'd love to hear your thoughts about the show or something that you would like me to explore in an episode. Thank you so much for listening. See you next week.